Alright, welcome into this episode of Farzcast. Farzim Vasugian here with you. Hope all is well with all of you. Hope you're having a great weekend. It is Sunday. We are seven days away from the end of football season. And the Chiefs will not be participating in that next week, unfortunately. So, yeah, uh, that was bad. We'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. A uh, lot of things to get into. Here on this episode, if you guys want to interact with me, you know the social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Big thanks to all of you guys. Uh, I mean, so much interaction lately, and that's coming for me this time of year, and a lot of uh, new followers as well. So big thanks to all of you guys who have been part of that. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Here on this episode, we will discuss the AFC Championship match, the Chiefs. Blowing an 18-point lead again to, uh, this time, the Bengals in the playoffs. And I've got a lot of thoughts on Andy Reid. I pro- posted uh, a portion of some of the thoughts I, I'm i going to share. Uh, I wrote a, a little bit about it on Facebook. Some Chiefs fans were not happy. A lot of people agreed with what I had to say. And no, I never suggested firing him, and I, and I wouldn't because I know that's not going to happen. But... There is some sort of change that is needed in the near future, so I will touch on that. The good and the bad with Andy Reid. A lot of people uh, have been talking about Andy Reid and his postseason woes. We'll get into that in just a moment. I'll also talk about the NFC Championship game a little bit. I'll give you guys my Super Bowl prediction. Brian Flores, he is uh, filing a lawsuit against the NFL and the New York Giants for alleged racial discrimination. A lot we don't know. A lot of things we got to let play out in that one. Uh, a lot of claims being made. A lot of people refusing, uh, refuting the uh, claims. Uh, still some thoughts on that one I want to get into. Joe Rogan has been in the news a lot lately. I have some thoughts. Uh, and he's apologized uh, twice this week. Twice. Uh, so we'll talk about that later on, and a couple of other quick hits I'll get into at the end of the podcast. Uh, before we get started, uh, I will not say the name, but uh, there will be a podcast this Thursday, Thursday evening. Uh, I will also uh, stream the, uh, we've got a very special guest, I will stream that guest hit on uh, on my podcast, or excuse me, on my Facebook page. Uh, I'll upload the podcast version around the same time, uh, and also I, I upload some of my things to YouTube. I haven't uploaded to YouTube in a while, uh, so I will do that. Here's the thing: I, I meant to upload the Matt Derrick part to YouTube, but um, we just never got around. I mean, it, that's on me. <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes I get lazy and got a lot of crazy shit going on, so sometimes I forget. But the uh, guest we have uh, this Thursday, I cannot say his name just in case it's not confirmed. Oh, it is confirmed. It's like nine, like basically the podcast is at the one yard line. Like it's going to happen unless something comes up. Uh, this is someone who I've been trying to get on for a very long time. I'll tell you right now, it's not a Chiefs player. It's not an athlete. However, he is a... Proud Kansas Cityan and a very proud Kansas City Chiefs fan. He's been very active. I'll give this hint. He's been very active in the world of television for the last 17 years. That is all I'm going to give. Nothing beyond that. Uh, a Kansas Cityan, big Chiefs fan, and he has been in the uh, TV world for the past 17 years. A very, very popular uh, TV personality. So I've been trying to get this guy on for a very long time. 
And now the stars are aligning. We, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much confirmed. Uh, so only thing left is to do the podcast with him. And uh, it'll, uh, I'll announce it Tuesday morning if it happens. That's, that's the soonest I can say something about it. So very, very excited for that. You guys can just follow me on social media uh, if you guys really want to find out who it is. Some of you guys are probably going to recognize him. Some of you guys probably know about the guy very well. If you watch uh, enough TV or or certain TV show or shows, multiple shows out there, he's been a part of. So, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Very, I'm very excited for this one. I think this is going to be a great one. So I really hope you guys tune into Thursday evening's podcast, uh, which a lot of you guys most likely will probably download and listen to by Friday. All right, let's get right into it. Enough of that. Uh, oh boy. Uh, Man, this I, I've got a lot to say. Let me just get one thing out of the way with this Chiefs game. This bullshit that a lot of people think that um, Patrick Mahomes threw the game or the game was rigged or something suggesting that Mahomes was paid to lose the game. And the evidence that's being used is that he's, he's missing uh, open receivers in the end zone. Folks, Patrick has no incentive to... To throw a game. I saw, I believe his stepmom even spoke on this and was actually really upset. Not Randy Mahomes, that's his biological mom. Uh, his stepmom, who is married to Pat Mahomes Sr., uh, she spoke on this on social media, I saw. And I mean, l- listen, I-, I think family members need to try to ignore the noise, but something like this, like, I mean, I'm even bringing it up. It's just annoying and stupid. I, I don't know why. I mean, there are a lot of people standing by this conspiracy theory that Mahomes absolutely threw the game. And look, I, I, I can't convince people to change their minds. I, I mean, if your mind's made up, your mind's made up. Uh, but the guy has a lot of money. I don't know who people think. Conv- like, why would you play so great in the first half and then throw it in the second half? I don't know, like, what people think. Some, some people are saying it was the owners. Some people are saying it was the Vegas uh Odds makers, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, these are the same people who think the earth is flat and, you know, all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories. So, unfortunately, here's what bothers me. Listen, this fan base is fucking awesome. They really, really are. I'm not saying they're not. But I do have one issue with this fan base because ever since Patrick Mahomes has took the starting reins in 2018... Chiefs fans have been very vocal, and that's awesome. They're supportive of their team. But it's gotten to the point where it's like everybody thinks that, and when I say everybody, I'm talking about Chiefs fans. Chiefs fans feel like they are the authority for all things football now. If someone on NFL Network picks the Chiefs to go 12-4, and four, and I can't remember the name of the guy, but somebody even commented and said, oh, uh, you know, how dare he pick the Chiefs to go 12-4, and four, which... The Chiefs ended up going 12-4. and four. Uh, I remember Brandon Flowers, who played for the Chiefs for a very long time, spent a majority of his career in Kansas City. He picked the Chiefs to go, I think, 13-3. and three, And people still called him a hater. Like, you're, and I'm obviously referring to past years, not this year, because this year we've got 17 games instead of 16 games per team. But it's like, really, you're, you're upset at people on ESPN or NFL Network because they're picking the Chiefs to go 12 and 4 and 13 and 3. The NFL analyst who picked the Chiefs to go 12 and 4 a couple years ago, he he said he even said on the air, he said, "Up, oh, Chiefs fans are going to light me up." Like analysts on ESPN and, and NFL Network and wherever, they know that Chiefs fans are just so vocal now. Like anytime 
Chiefs fans have an opportunity to really let someone know they were wrong. They 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 let them know. And I just don't get like where did this come from? Like listen, it's it's great to be excited. This is a very exciting time to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. The Chiefs just went to four straight AFC Championship games, all at home, by the way, at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. So this does not happen in Kansas City. So I understand people want... The Chiefs have never had the AFC Championship game in Kansas City. The Lamar Hunt Trophy has never stepped foot inside this city's uh, limits. So I get it. Like, the past four years and the way everyone is exuberant, I get it. But... It's just Chiefs fans. My whole point is 49ers fans were saying the same thing in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, when it ended, that the game was rigged or the refs were picking sides. And Chiefs fans were mocking 49ers fans. But for whatever reason, it's okay for Chiefs fans to make fun of other fans because a lot of people, a lot of people across the NFL, a lot of fans keep saying that Mahomes is the new golden boy of the NFL and that the uh, NFL wants Mahomes to win and that the referees are going to be in his favor, which, listen, these elite players, sometimes they do have their uh, their advantages with the officials. Uh, I can't. I, th- I think it was Fran Frasilla. Fr- uh, I, I don't know how to say his name. I don't watch a lot of college basketball. I was watching the KU-Baylor game yesterday, and he made a comment saying that in Allen Fieldhouse, you pretty much have a 10-point advantage immediately uh, as soon as the ball is tipped. So, you know, the Chiefs are that team now. But for whatever reason, Chiefs fans want to mock and make fun of any fans who blame uh, their teams losing to the Chiefs on the fans or on the uh, refs. But whenever the Chiefs lose a game, a lot of Chiefs fans like to say it's rigged or blame the refs, and and they want to be taken seriously about it. Like, I don't get that. I, I mean, come on. And there's no evidence of any of this. It's embarrassing I even have to say this, but I had to clear that up because for anyone expecting me to say the game was rigged or Mahomes threw it, I mean, look, you're better off uh, looking elsewhere because that's not happening on this podcast. And I know what a lot of people are going to say. Oh, Farzine, did you not see Mahomes miss open receivers in the end? I, I know, and this is actually the perfect segue to talk about the game. I'm aware. I, I mean, if you have been watching Chiefs football all year long, you would know that this has been a very, I don't want to say a bad year, because the Chiefs did finish in the top five in total offense, passing, and scoring. I mean, that's a, that you would think that's a, a successful season offensively, but the Chiefs had a lot of offensive woes this year. Like, in the four years Patrick Mahomes has been here, this has been the worst, and I use that word loosely, this has been the worst uh, season offensively. You had 25 turnovers this year. That is by far the most uh, the Chiefs have had uh, since Mahomes has taken the starting reins in Kansas City. And, um, you know, so many overthrown, underthrown passes. Uh, and by the way, the whole thing with Mahomes missing open receivers that's been the case all year long, and I posted a couple screenshots online, and there are still people trying to refute that or debunk that, uh, that you know, the game was still rigged. Uh, I mean, listen, Mahomes has missed open receivers all year long, and whenever, and I didn't mention this part, I forgot this part, whenever he doesn't miss open receivers, there are there have been a lot of occasions this year where um, Mahomes has uh, 
thrown a pass right in the hands of Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, and they've dropped it. In fact, I, I don't know. I, these kinds of stats are never uh, announced consistently because they're not on the stats pages of ESPN or NFL.com. Uh, so you got to have Pro Football Focus or one of those premium websites. Some of these are people on Twitter who keep track of these very closely, and they occasionally write an update about it. But Patrick Mahomes had the most dropped passes uh, going into the month of December. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, at one point uh, going into December, I believe, they led. They were numbers one and two in the NFL and dropped uh, receptions this year. So, I mean, the offensive woes that people want to say was rigged, I mean, that's been going on all year long, unfortunately. That's not something that just started suddenly in the AFC Championship game. It's just more frustrating because the Chiefs were up by 11 at halftime, 18 at one point in the game, 18 up by 18 points at one point. And they just they just slipped, man. Uh, and listen, uh, there's a lot of blame to go around. I think Patrick Mahomes does deserve a lot. Yes, you are right about Patrick Mahomes missing open receivers. That is not up for debate. He did miss open receivers, and that's on him. Um, I think some of the blame... Goes to Andy Reid as well. This is not his first blown lead. Unfortunately, we've seen the Chiefs have the most creative ways to lose games in the playoffs. Um, Now, we've seen this exact scenario before where they were up by 18. But it's just a little bit more heartbreaking because this was the AFC Championship game. When the Chiefs blew those leads to the Colts and to the Titans... Um, the Chiefs were not the big favorites to make it to the Super Bowl those years. Now, 2013, kind of a crazy year. You just never know how that could have panned out. But uh, listen, there have been a lot of missed opportunities this year. Because listen, you never know. That's why you played the game, right? I mean, the, the, the Eagles with Nick Foles, they were not expected to even win a playoff game. They were underdogs in all three of their playoff games, and they won the Super Bowl that postseason. So... You never know. I mean, there are some missed opportunities. Um, you know, if we played the what-if game with the Chiefs uh, and looked at the history of their franchise, there are a lot of what-ifs under Andy Reid, uh, certainly. And listen, I know Andy Reid has a ring, and I'll get into him in a moment. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Andy got his only Super Bowl ring in a big miracle comeback. Yeah, you're right, but he still has a ring. But listen, here's the thing with Andy Reid. His critics are still around. Uh, they were quiet for a little bit, including me, when he won that Super Bowl. Uh, which, hey, it's not easy to win a Super Bowl. But when you've been coaching 20, what, 22 or 23 years, I think it's 23, or I think it's going to be his 23rd season coming. It, it, it's, it's been more, it's been two decades. Um, listen, you're going to have a lot of playoff losses. Brett Favre has the NFL record for most interceptions thrown. That's because he's played longer. You know, Nathan Peterman is not going to own the NFL interceptions record because when you throw a lot of interceptions early in your career, you're not going to have any opportunities. Whoever owns the record for most missed field goals is one of the best kickers of all time. And I don't know who that is. I, I would have to research that. But it's someone who has kicked a very long time, not because they're terrible, but because they've just had a much longer career. Therefore, you're going to miss more than a terrible kicker who only had, what, two or three seasons uh, in the NFL. Um, so I understand Andy Reid. Uh, yeah, okay, he has a lot of bad losses, but we're talking really bad losses. Bill Belichick's been coaching, what, just as long as Andy Reid? Uh, I mean, close enough, right? Give or take uh, a few seasons, but... He hasn't had 
this many blown leads, uh, big blown leads on a consistent basis in the playoffs. And listen, I, I would argue, and I'll get into this later, I think Andy Reid honestly has had far more talented players than uh, Bill Belichick has had. Uh, but Belichick's been the better coach, and that you see that with his uh, six rings. I'll get into that part later. Let me just go over the game real quickly because the the play before halftime where they threw it to Tyree Kill, I, what were they? I think they were at the two years. They were inside the five. And they throw it to Tyree Kill at the five. It looked like a great play at first. But what happened? The Bengals defenders quickly swarmed in on Tyree Kill. And they did not let him go anywhere. And I, listen, we all know Tyree Kill is capable of making players miss. But in that moment, man. Oh, boy. Listen, I don't have an issue with going for it. I, I love the aggressiveness. Um, but is there such thing as being too aggressive? Yes, there is. Uh Look, if if Tyreek Hill got into the end zone or if Mahomes did find an open receiver on that same play, boy, we're, we're not talking about this, are we? We're talking about how Andy Reid is gutsy and the, and the Chiefs got big balls and they they did something none of us wanted. Everyone wanted to take the points, but the Chiefs got six points instead instead of three points. And, you know, these kinds, here's my thing. I try to be very... I try to be very mindful of criticizing coaches for going for it on fourth down or going for two points, or in this case, going for it with essentially just a couple of seconds left uh, before halftime. Because if they fail, they're the biggest idiots in the world and we're going to be criticizing them for a long time. But if they succeed... We're talking about how awesome they are, how gutsy it was. I mean, they're they're on top of the world at that point. Uh, Brandon Staley, if you guys remember against the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday Night Football uh, in December, he went for it on fourth down quite a lot against the Chiefs. And had he not done that and taken some of the points, they could have prevented overtime. Oh, oh, by the way, nobody's complaining about the overtime rules this week, are they? Nope, not one bit. Funny how that works. Uh, but, uh, by the way, I was ready for that discussion. As soon as the Chiefs won the coin dust, I was like, yep, we're having that discussion again this week, aren't we? No, unfortunately not. But um, the, the whole situation with Brandon Staley, it's like, listen, I defended him on that. Because, listen, in the moment, you have no idea what the final score is going to be going into overtime. Obviously, going to be tied, but you don't know exactly, you know, what the point differential and all that stuff's going to be as the game goes on. You're not going to beat the Chiefs with field goals. You're gonna, you have to score touchdowns. Even though Patrick Mahomes was struggling in that game for three and a half quarters, you know you've got to win with touchdowns instead of field goals because they'll they'll pick it up eventually. Mike Vrabel, same thing against the Bengals, I believe. Yeah, the Bengals in the um, divisional round when the Titans had a bye. The Titans were down by 10 points. They tied it up, but Vrabel kept going for it on fourth down. He could have tried a field goal, I believe, on two occasions. And had he done that, maybe the Titans win. Or at least the game would have gone to overtime. So... Andy Reid, same thing here. If he goes for that field goal before halftime, we probably prevent overtime at that point. So uh, if I've learned anything, sure, I, I, I what I said earlier, I, I love and appreciate aggressiveness, but 
I suppose we're learning more recently, take the damn points. Because listen, defenses, they, I don't think people realize this. Throughout a week when teams are prepping for an opposing team, coaches spend countless hours studying game film, okay? And when they see what teams do on fourth and short, they make note of it. They look up every single freaking fourth and short situation that the opposing team has gone for okay they go this route or they go this way or that way I remember in 2009 Todd Haley he uh went for it on fourth down with Matt Castle on a quarterback sneak and the following week in that year in 09 the Chargers were playing the Chiefs and the Chiefs went for it on fourth down the same exact way they did the previous week with a quarterback sneak the Chargers stuffed Matt Castle on that why not because Matt Castle was bad during his time in Kansas City it's because the Chargers, the coaches, and the players, they studied game film. And when the Chiefs lined up on fourth down, they saw the same formation. They said, up, oh, we saw this on, on the film this week in practice. We saw this a couple days ago. They're going for a quarterback sneak. Let's all get ready in the middle here. And they did exactly that. So, and listen, you don't have to be some massive film expert. I know there are so many Twitter uh, film analysts out there. You don't have to be one of those people to really understand that. So that's the uh, that's the issue right there. What, like, the, whatever... The Chiefs have tried in the past. I'm sure the Bengals found. And listen, I, I mean, I don't remember every single snap this year from the Chiefs. I'm not. I'm sure there are some bloggers and podcasters out there who are very, very dedicated in all this. They probably uh, can show you more. But I'm sure there were some plays uh, this year that Zach Taylor and the Bengals looked up some fourth down uh, attempts from the Chiefs. Again, this wasn't exactly fourth down, but it was like a fourth down opportunity. And they treated that play defensively like a fourth down attempt. They saw the formation, they were ready for it, and they succeeded. And good on them for doing that. That's that's great coaching, and that's also great execution by the players because they were ready for that uh, because of the good coaching there. Uh, you know, all the research you do when studying opposing teams, that w- that's what you're supposed to do. So a lot of people are talking about that play before halftime. And listen, I'll give one more quick example. If you guys remember in 05, I believe it was, uh, the Chiefs were at the one or two yard line against the Raiders down by three. And Dick Vermeil wanted to go for it with just a couple seconds left. No timeouts. Larry Johnson gave him the, uh, the green light to uh, run it in. A field goal ties it. A touchdown wins it. But, uh, a, you know, not being able to go beyond the uh, line of scrimmage loses you the game. And the Chiefs, made they made it. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they had the offensive line for it. Yeah, but doesn't mean they're perfect. I mean, they've allowed tackles for a loss and sacks. Um, so, again, it just depends on the situation, whether uh, they execute, they succeed or, or not. So, that's all there is to it. Um, in, in terms of how that play impacted the game, did that hurt the Chiefs? Mindset moving forward? I don't know, man. You know, I mean, these guys are pros. I've never played football before, obviously. But in that situation, look, it's halftime. You have the entire halftime period, the the 12, 13 minutes, however long it is, to kind of just regroup and, and really just forget about that play. The Chiefs got the ball to start the second half. Um, So... I don't really know, like, did that really impact them? Because they had what? I don't know, not even 100 yards of total offense in the second half. 
Um, they really need, I mean, at that point, I was really just relying on like a defensive touchdown because the Bengals slowly but surely found a way to tie the game. And the Chiefs never really got going in the second half until they trailed from behind. The Bengals took the lead for the first time in the second half late in the fourth quarter. And the Chiefs decided, hey, we're going to we're gonna uh, now pick it up. I mean, this was pretty rough. Uh, the Chiefs got very close. This is okay. This is the part where everyone was lost. The way the Chiefs had the ball at the two or three yard line at the end of the, or the five yard, whatever it was. I mean, they were they were on their way to an AFC Championship game with a touchdown, and they ran some of the, some of the worst plays. And God bless Joe Tooney because had he not recovered that fumble. We don't even see overtime in that situation. Um, I don't know what was going on. The way Mahomes looked in the second half and in overtime. And in overtime, I mean, he looked like he was playing from behind, trying to do all these desperate things. But the one thing everyone's been asking, why are you not running the damn ball? And I'll say this right now. I, these Listen, the the this season, I have received a lot of messages, tweets, uh, when I do the live streams after games, a lot of people have uh, done video uh, uh, FaceTimes with me after games, and so many people are asking me, why are we not running the ball? When is Andy Reid going to learn this? Folks, Andy Reid's not dumb. He knows, surely he has to know. He has two running backs in this game that were averaging more than five yards a carry. But here's the problem, and it's not... The greatest explanation, you're not going to like this, but it is the explanation. Andy Reid's never been a run-first guy. He's never been a run-first guy. He just hasn't. I don't know why. Even though he's had some of the best running backs in the world, uh, you know, in the last two decades, he still is a pass-first guy, a pass-heavy coach. He's had Jamal Charles. He's had LaShawn McCoy. He's had Brian Westbrook, Kareem Hunt, even though that was brief, still had him long enough to where Kareem Hunt was arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL. He was, I think, top three in um, uh, total yards from scrimmage uh, before he got cut by the Chiefs. So the Chiefs have had the best running backs on their team. Jamal Charles led the NFL in touchdowns in 2013. So what is it with Andy Reid? Like when you have an 18-point lead and when your quarterback is struggling, and look, I know what I said earlier, that still – even though Mahomes may struggle at times, you still can never count him out. But at some point, you got to open your eyes and say, hey, I got two damn good running backs, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon. I'm going to have a good day. My quarterback is regressing a bit. I need to let these running backs take over the game. And I know you don't want to hurt Mahomes' ego. Because, listen, this franchise, I mean, they owe everything to Mahomes, right? It's like, I mean, the word is that apparently Mahomes... It was his call to go for it on fourth down. Um, in fact, there have been rumors in the past, some reports that the Chiefs have said that uh, Mahomes has requested for the Chiefs to draft certain players. Like Dorian O'Daniel, that was apparently Mahomes' call. Uh, listen, I get it. Tom Brady, he he's had some privileges. LeBron James, he's had some privileges especially in Cleveland, which I don't agree with, by the way. 
you're not the head coach of the franchise. You're not the general manager. You're not the decision maker. You are the quarterback. Let the quarterbacks quarterback and let the coaches coach. Um. So, I, again, I mean, I don't know if Andy Reid ever, like, word for word said it was Mahomes' call, but I, I think he told one of the sideline reporters something that insinuated that. Why is Mahomes making the call? That I don't get. I forgot to mention that. Um, I don't know. That was uh, that was very interesting. But the Chiefs were just not relaxed at all in the second half and in overtime. And you you saw it in three plays in overtime. And credit to the Bengals, by the way. I know when you say things like that, it's like you're taking credit away from the opposing team. And I don't mean for that to be the case. Uh, props to the Bengals. They uh, showed up to GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium and they won. Uh, they beat this team twice. I mean, the Chiefs are now that team. Remember when the Patriots had Brady? And whenever uh, the the Patriots were on the Chiefs' schedule, you would circle that game. You know, you you would you you would get a yellow highlighter, put some of your favorite games, the the Raiders games, the Broncos games, a couple other marquee games for the Patriots. You put like a, a, a you got a different color highlighter for that one right there. That's the Chiefs now. The Chiefs are now that team that. They're pretty much, like, whenever they're on your schedule, that is the game. Like, if you can't win the Super Bowl, at least try to beat the Chiefs. That'd be pretty cool. The Bengals beat the Chiefs twice, and they're on their way to a Super Bowl. So props to the Bengals. I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, but let me say this, too. Because, yes, this is on Mahomes, but in the 11 playoff games the Chiefs have had with Mahomes, this is, in my opinion, his very first time not putting the team in position. to win. I, I thought about this going into last week's game. In all the playoff games, has Mahomes ever done anything to hurt the Chiefs in a playoff game? I think his worst outing in a playoff game was the first half of the AFC Championship game. And then he found a way to get the offense going, and they came back and uh, made it a made it a football game, even forced overtime. I know a lot of people are talking about the 13 seconds against the Bills. Mahomes, I think, had 23 or 24 seconds to tie the game in the AFC Championship loss against the Patriots. He found a way to tie that game with 24 seconds. Uh, a little bit more time, but still, that's not easy to do. Uh, that's not a lot of time. By the way, speaking of 13 seconds, a lot of people mentioned Mahomes threw an interception 13 seconds into overtime. So, yeah, that number has a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, l- listen, let me get, get into Andy Reid because I do have some things to say about him. Um, listen, he, listen, he's not going to get fired, so I'm not going to call for that. And I got a few of these, oh, you never coached before. Yeah, sure. Um, people who say this, by the way, they've never worked a day as a political uh, in, in, in a politician's office, but they always criticize a politician, and rightfully so. I'm not saying you can't. If there's a bad movie you don't like, you criticize the actors or the directors or the producers, yet you've never worked a day in Hollywood, so why? You know, the same logic applies there. Listen, you can criticize coaches, politicians, movies, whatever. You don't have to have worked in that industry to know. Um, this is one of my things with Jason Brown who got all upset because even though I've criticized players in the past, the one time he got upset at me for criticizing a player was a former player of his, Dan Sorensen, and he played the whole stay in your lane card. You've never coached. And by the way, what was funny about that is, uh, he criticized Shannon Sharp and Peyton Manning for also criticizing Dan Sorensen. And his, his comment was, they don't know football because they've never coached. Yeah. Two Hall of Famers who don't know football. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you don't have to, uh, 
coach football to just see the uh, facts that I pointed out, which upset some people. Hey, the truth hurts. Uh, don't blame the messenger. I'm just I'm just spewing the facts. Um, the only opinion I had was that there needs to be change. And I and listen. Some people may have misinterpreted that uh, to a firing, even though I clearly said he's not being fired. Um, some people misinterpreted uh, that uh, in that manner, thinking I was calling for uh, him to be fired. Listen, Clark Hunt has said multiple times, Andy Reid's the best addition the Chiefs have ever gotten in franchise history. Uh, here's the problem. With anyone criticizing those who are criticizing the Chiefs for this loss, that doesn't mean you should be content with them making it this far. Just because the Chiefs were terrible pre-Andy Reid doesn't mean you can't expect more right now. Last I checked, Chiefs fans expect a Super Bowl every single season. Remember a lot of Chiefs fans were echoing the 20-0 run that after Mahomes and Tyreek Hill did in the offseason in June or July? Chiefs fans did the same thing. Um, last I checked, Chiefs fans are expecting a Super Bowl every single season. Anytime a pundit picks otherwise, Chiefs fans quickly label those people as haters. So you can't have it both ways. You can't get upset at Chiefs fans for criticizing the team for this loss, yet you tell national pundits they're haters because they don't pick the Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl. You can't have it both ways. Listen, here's the good with Andy Reid. He has taken now two teams to four consecutive AFC Championship games. Um... Oh, I said four, two teams to four consecutive AFC. I meant four uh, conference championship games because the Eagles are obviously not in the AFC, but you get the idea. That's not easy to do. Not easy to do. He has the highest win percentage in Chiefs history. Six straight AFC West titles, nine seasons in Kansas City, all nine seasons above 500, eight of them in the playoffs. Top five all-time in regular season victories and postseason victories. But here's the bad with Andy Reid. In the 22 seasons he has coached, despite being in the top five in the regular season, uh, and postseason wins, he doesn't have much to show for it. Three and six in conference title games, one and two in the Super Bowl. When you make it to a conference championship nine times and you've only got one Super Bowl to show for it, and I know it's not easy to win a Super Bowl, but when you've got this much talent, I think you should have more than that. Listen, Andy Reeder is responsible for some of the biggest blown leads in postseason history. Uh, 18-point lead blown twice. A uh, 28-point lead blown before. Second biggest blown lead in postseason history. He's 19-16 and 16 in uh, in the playoffs. Belichick is 31-13. and 13. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, when you coach for 22 years, yes, you'll have lots of wins and lots of losses. Um, I mentioned the Brett Favre interception record and all. But with this talent uh, that you've had across uh, the history of your tenure as, as a coach for these two teams, 19-16 and 16 isn't really uh, a good record to show for it. Listen, his quarterbacks, McNabb, Vic, Smith, Mahomes, they've all been pro bowlers under Andy Reid. And I know people are going to say, listen, I know Mike Vick was a pro bowler three times in Atlanta, but the Mike Vick we saw in Philadelphia was a far more complete quarterback than the one in Atlanta. McNabb, I don't know what it is with McNabb. There are so many critics of McNabb. The guy was a good quarterback. Should he have won a Super Bowl? Yeah, absolutely. Is is some of it on him? Yeah, for sure. But I think a lot of it is on Andy Reid as well. Because this is McNabb is not the first quarterback who Andy Reid's had success with but didn't win a Super Bowl with. He And a lot of people, I, I said this a couple years ago when I criticized Andy Reid for the same exact thing. And I'm seeing a lot more people come around this time. A lot of people criticized me a couple years ago. And I was proven wrong, of course, because Reid went on to win a Super Bowl that year. But... 
One of the, uh, a couple of the people who defended Andy Reid said, well, he's never had Patrick Mahomes before. Folks, we're about to have our 56th Super Bowl next week. There have been 55 other Super Bowls that have been won without Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is great. I'm not saying he's not. I'd rather have him of course, than be against him, of course. But Patrick Mahomes is not some gatekeeper for the Super Like, he's not the end-all, be-all for your Super Bowl possibilities. Andy Reid has had the talent before. I mentioned the quarterbacks. Let's talk about the running backs. Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. Other great offensive players, Terrell Owens, Deshaun Jackson, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Uh, these guys are not pro bowlers, but Sammy Watkins and Jeremy, Ma- Jeremy Macklin, he's had twice with the Eagles and the Chiefs. Defensive players, he's had Hugh Douglas, Trent Gold, Jason Babbin. Jason Babbin was horrible with the Chiefs, but was amazing with the, uh, with the Eagles. Jeremiah Trotter, Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent, Asante Samuel, Justin Houston, Tom Bahali, D4, Dontari Poe, Chris Jones, Derek Johnson, Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, Tyron Matthew. I mean, you can't have a more talented group of players than that. Listen, I know Belichick's had a lot of talented players in the past. I mean, Ty Law, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Vrabel, uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower, Tim Brown, Gronk, uh, and so many great offensive linemen. Uh, In my opinion, I think this talent that Andy, all the players I listed are better than what Andy Reid's had. Or excuse me, what Bill Belichick's had, I should say. Um, listen, I know what it was like. I know people even reminded me on Facebook. Oh, you don't remember what it was like before Andy. No, I do. But that was then. I'm talking about now. You have the talent. The Chiefs have the best talent in the NFL. I know, I know. They're not in the Super Bowl. So technically, they don't have the best talent. They've got the best talent on the team. If Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill were available for free agency today, and this is hypothetical, but if there was like some rule, some obnoxious rule that said you can only have these three together, they cannot go to separate teams, they have to be together, there would be a massive bidding war to get these three guys on your team. Listen, the standards high, I said earlier, Chiefs fans expect the Super Bowl every year, and whenever anyone predicts otherwise, Chiefs fans online, they let them hear it. They don't hold back. They have a lot to say. Patrick Mahomes, I, I heard um, Skip Bayless uh, he, uh, I don't listen to Skip Bayless. I don't watch a lot of the TV shows. I think a lot of those pundits are honestly doing it for uh, viewers' attention. Um, I did not know Patrick Mahomes appeared on First Sig or whatever show it is that Skip Bayless is a part of with Shannon Sharp. I, I don't know the names. I'm sorry. Um, Skip Bayless said on his podcast, I don't listen to his podcast ever, but he had a lot to say about Mahomes, so I wanted to listen. Apparently, Mahomes and his agent, Lee Steinberg, who I've had on uh, my Chiefs podcast before, I guess Lee Steinberg and Skip Bayless have a bit of a bit of a history. Um, I don't know what, but that's what Skip Bayless said. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, according to Skip Bayless, requested to come on uh, whatever show Skip and Shannon are on. And the reason is because Mahomes wanted to go in there and kind of just stick it to... Skip. Again, I've never seen that. I didn't even know that was true. Um, I don't even know if that episode happened or if that was just Mahomes requesting it. But that's what Skip Bayless said on his podcast. So you can't sit there and want to rub it in someone's face when they're wrong 
because they were haters for not picking you to win the Super Bowl, but then you get upset at Chiefs fans for honestly expecting more. You were up by 18. The Chiefs should be playing for a Super Bowl right now, but they're not. Bengals wanted it more, plain and simple. Listen, Andy Reid's a great coach. Nowhere in this have I said he isn't. And listen, let me say something about Andy Reid because he has invited troubled players. He even invited Damon Arnett, who the Chiefs had to let go because he got into some trouble again. Um, But it's just an example that Andy Reid has invited so many troubled players to his, his teams. He brought Michael Vick. That's the biggest, most famous one. He brought in uh, Tyree Kill, and I know we've we've learned that Tyree Kill has accused his uh, ex-fiance of lying, but at the time, we had no idea that was the case. We accepted whatever Tyree Kill was accused of doing in that 2014 incident, which was allegedly choking his pregnant girlfriend at the time. Chiefs fans accepted that as fact and decided to forgive Tyree Kill, which I don't agree with that logic, but... Hey, when a when a when an athlete does well for you, um, athletes tend to get uh, forgiven a lot. I saw a lot of Chiefs fans uh, defending Damon Arnett when the Chiefs signed him. It's like, okay, now you're defending this guy because he's on your team. Um, by the way, that narrative changed real quickly among those same Chiefs fans when the Chiefs released him. Wonder why. But uh, my point is, Andy Reid's given so many second chances. There is going to be a 30 for 30 and a football life on Andy Reid. And it's going to be, it's going to be a big one. Like there's going to be a lot to talk about with Andy Reid. It's going to be a fascinating one. And I think every single football fan should want to tune into that. Um, he, he's a very fascinating NFL figure. That is not something I'm debating. But like I said, he's not getting fired. Clark Hunt would never do that. Something would have to go really wrong for him to want to do that. But how is it that this team thrives when they're trailing by multiple possessions, but he can't keep that same damn energy when the Chiefs are up by multiple possessions? Because a lot of you guys responded to me and said uh, that I was being harsh on Andy Reid for giving away uh, big leads. But the same people said... You're not mentioning his comebacks. You guys are absolutely right. Andy Reid, under this Chiefs team, has had plenty of great comebacks. And in fact, that actually makes my point even more further. Like, why is it that Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they play their best football when they're trailing from behind, but when when they've got a big lead more times than not, they play some of their worst football. Why is that? That can't be happening on a consistent basis. Something needs to be said for that. Something's got to change. And listen, I hope Eric Bieniemy gets his, a head coaching job because there is an offensive coordinator out there who can help Andy Reid patch up those mistakes of his moving forward. There is an offensive coordinator out there who is damn well capable of that. If Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching job, I will drop that name in a split second because I think that the Chiefs can succeed and win a lot of championships if they go get that offensive coordinator. There is an offensive coordinator out there who I think Andy Reid would even be very comfortable trusting play calling duties with. And even if that coach doesn't get play calling duties, he can still do a lot for your franchise moving forward. I'll drop that name when and if Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching job. He should be getting one real soon. Hopefully with the Saints. We'll see.
All right, uh, NFC Championship game. Listen, I don't have a lot to say. Part of it, I was doing the uh, live stream after the game, post game, uh, so I didn't get to catch all of that uh, NFC Championship game. And part of me was like emotionally just distraught from everything that happened in the game prior to that. So um, I don't have a lot of thoughts other than Kyle Shanahan blew yet another big lead um, in a postseason game. Listen, uh, I know we just talked about Andy Reid doing this. Kyle Shanahan is not Andy Reid, okay? Kyle Shanahan is not going to get many opportunities. Andy Reid, I mean, he'll he'll probably be given a, more opportunities. This is not going to be uh, Andy Reid's uh, last blown lead, unfortunately. He'll have more of these. Hopefully I'm wrong, but we're, we've got a pattern here. You see that. For Kyle Shanahan, he's not Andy Reid. He doesn't have Andy Reid's longevity or his resume. Not even a fraction of it. Um, he's made it very far. Twice as a head coach, that's great, but with what happened in Atlanta in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and now this time in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, boy, I'll tell you what, you keep doing this, I mean, again, I get it, he's made it very far a couple times, but if you keep making it far and you keep blowing these leads, you can't keep your job for very long, you just can't. If Andy Reid was not Andy, like if that was Todd Haley, who's never won a championship before, I mean, they, he'd be gone with all those blown leads under his belt. You, you you just can't consistently afford to allow that on a consistent basis. Um, so that's my biggest thing. Hey, Rams-Bengals, uh, I, I, man, I'm rooting for both teams because, and listen, I'm not one of those Chiefs fans who is going to hold it against the, uh, the Bengals. I'm not that kind of a bitter fan. I mean, the loss is on us. We have no one to blame but ourselves. The Bengals have never won a Super Bowl before. As someone who never thought I'd see a World Series, a Royals World Series, and a Chiefs Super Bowl, I'm really hoping the Bengals can get their first Super Bowl. At the same time, Matthew Stafford has worked his ass off for a very, very long time in the NFL and has never won a playoff game before until now. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., same thing. I mean, this guy's been around for a while, and he's played at a high level. Uh, he's doing a lot better now than he did in Cleveland, and he's got an opportunity to get his first ring. So someone's going to get a ring for the first time. It's either going to be some of the Rams players, a lot of the Rams players, or it's going to be the Bengals. Um, and the Bengals do have a very interesting story. I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I just feel like the Rams have a little bit more talent. I think this is going to be a very exciting offensive game. I'm going to go 38-35 Rams on this one. So that's my Super Bowl pick. I'm going with the Rams over the Bengals. All right, uh, last bit of NFL news before we move on, because I really want to get into the Joe Rogan discussion. That story has taken a very interesting turn uh, among the public. Uh, but with Brian Flores, he's suing the NFL. You guys know the story. Just a quick recap. Uh, suing the NFL and the uh, Giants for alleged r- racial discrimination. Claims that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross of offering $100,000 per loss to tank Flores declined and was labeled as hard to work with. Though there were reports that we heard that the, the reason Flores was let go is because he clashed with Tua, uh, his quarterback Tua Tangavola, however, however you say his name. Uh, and uh, the team took Tua's side over Flores' side. He also claims the Giants subjected him to a sham interview in an attempt to provide a black candidate with a legitimate chance to get a job. And he is using his text messages with Bill Belichick as evidence. He is accusing John Elway of showing up, quote, disheveled, uh, basically hungover, 
when interviewing Flores back in 2019. Flores said he feels like he was not taken very seriously in that interview. Former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson has been defending Flores and his claims. In fact, he is also claiming that the Browns wanted him to tank, which is very interesting because the Browns went 3-36-1 when Jackson was the head coach. The Browns have been losing for years. Like, why would you all of a sudden want this guy to tank? I, I don't get it. Um, I, I Listen, I got a lot of questions about those claims. The Broncos issued a statement saying Forrest's claims are, quote, blatantly false, and they provided uh, the timeline of when the interview started, the date, the location, how many people were present. Um, they have put their uh, claims out there. Flores is still standing by his claims. The Giants released a statement, uh, multiple statements, by the way, saying that they were pleased and confident with Dable. They said Flores was, quote, was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach. And when, um, who was it? Uh, Mike Greenberg, he read that same statement on ESPN in front of Flores and his two attorneys. One of the attorneys quickly uh, pointed out that the Giants were unable to deny what Forrest was claiming. Uh, the very specific claim about racial discrimination. The Browns have responded to Hugh Jackson's comments, saying that his claims of tanking are, quote, completely fabricated and, quote, categorically false. I don't believe the Dolphins have said anything. Um, they may have, but uh, yeah, listen, you get the idea. Lots of accusations are being made by Flores and by... Jackson and those teams that are accused of doing such things, they are denying that, which is expected. Um, the teams are standing by their claims and they, the coaches are standing by their claims. So listen, lots of allegations being made here. Uh, I have no idea how in the hell you're going to prove any of these things. Um, I have no idea how in the hell this is going to end. I mean, this is the start. Okay, this is, I mean, this is a, this is an explosive start, okay? You know, uh, some of those fireworks shows that don't go well, where they light off all the fireworks at the same time accidentally? That's this right here. That is this right now with the Brian Flores situation. This is the start. So I have no idea where this is going to go or how it's going to end. If you're asking for my prediction, maybe something changes with the Rooney rule at the very most. Because coaches are using it to uh, check a box. I made a mistake, by the way. I thought it was just one uh, minority candidate. Now it's two minority candidates. The NFL made that change, I believe, this uh, in the this past year. Some people are saying that's actually making things worse. Because the black coaches, the minority coaches, I should say, they are being used to fulfill the Rooney rule. I don't know. Maybe nothing happens from this. I don't know. Listen, the owners are never going to admit any wrongdoings in these situations. They'll, they'll always fight this. By the way, Roger Goodell does not do any media. I know the NFL, uh, they said that they were ready to, to fight this. But then they came out with a statement this week saying that they're going to address racial discrimination and how uh, Roger Goodell, I guess, ha- was going to talk to the teams and basically say how unacceptable it is that um, there's only one black coach right now. Uh, you have one black coach and uh, another minority in 
I'm, I'm, I, their, their name, I see their faces. Their names escape my mind. Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, and then uh, the head coach for the Washington Fo- or the Washington Commanders, whatever. People are upset by that name, by the way. Imagine that. I mean, the people who are upset by that name are already over it. Same thing with the uh, Cleveland Guardians or whatever they're called. Um, his name escapes my mind right now. Uh, but the former coach of the year with the Panthers, um, that guy. So those are the, your only two minority uh, head coaches in the NFL. Roger Goodell needs to be doing more media. I mean, when something like this happens or when there are other incidents that take place that the NFL makes a very questionable decision on or when referees get away with something that they should have called a penalty on and the NFL backs them up, Roger Goodell is not there to, to answer for these questions. Roger Goodell needs to do a weekly conference, Zoom conference, teleconference, whatever the fuck. Because how is it that you're going to demand all these players to do media but you're not going to do it yourself. Richard Sherman pointed this out once before. Because the NFL does a lot of questionable things. They make a lot of choices, a lot of decisions that are questioned. And the head man is not there to answer for any of these. Why not? He should be. Roger Goodell needs to be doing media on a weekly basis with select national... I mean, 10 guys. Pick 10 people, okay? One or two from ESPN, a couple from Fox Sports, um, NFL Network, NFL.com, whatever. I mean, you 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 need to be doing media. You, uh, the only time we ever see it might be like Super Bowl week or draft week or getting ready for the NFL season. That's it. Like, we don't get Roger Goodell on a consistent basis, okay? That needs to change because... When something like, like when the Tyree kill when Tyree kill was not suspended, lots of non-Chiefs fans had questions. Because and listen, I blame the national media for not emphasizing some of the turning points in that story. If Roger Goodell could have spoke up on this at the time, if he did weekly press conferences at the time, maybe someone could have asked that, and maybe there would have been a lot more clarification on why Tyree kill did not get suspended. But no, the NFL does not want to do that. NFL does not want to do that at all. So. Listen, I, I can't really comment on these allegations because I have no idea what's true and what's not. I've learned over the years with these kinds of accusations, you do not say a single word until they are until they're proven. I, I mean, to tank or the 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 comment about John Elway showing up hungover. It's actually funny. I have like a funny image in my mind. I'm sure everyone else does too of how that went. Uh, but in terms of that being fact, I, we don't know that. We just don't. Um, some people are talking about that as if these things are true. We have no idea what's true and what's not. We really don't. So I'm going to wait for uh, for this to pan out before I give any uh, further opinions on any of those subjects for sure. I did want to talk about this. Joe Rogan, he has been in the news a lot in the last seven days. If you guys remember... A lot of doctors went after Spotify and Joe Rogan. A lot of musicians, most notably Neil Young, wanted Spotify to either pick to pick a side, either Joe Rogan or their music. And Neil Young said, "Okay, if Spotify is going to send with Rogan, Spotify needs to remove my music, and because he wants to dissociate himself uh, from Rogan regarding some information that has been uh, discussed on Rogan's podcast regarding the uh, COVID nineteen vaccine." Uh, Rogan did a nine-minute video on his Instagram responding to Neil Young and some of the criticisms 
about his situation. And by the way, I thought Rogan had a very respectful and a very open-minded and understanding video discussing this. Uh, he, he said a lot of great things. I th- like If there was ever a time to speak up and have the right things to say, Rogan picked the right time to do it, and I thought he had a lot of good things to say. I didn't agree with him on everything. 99% of the stuff he said I agree with. He clarified some of the things that he's had guests on for both sides. And he's right. He has had, uh, he's had, uh, listen, I'm not trying to make this political, folks. I know a lot of people don't listen to this for political commentary. Unfortunately, this pandemic has turned into a political uh, deal. Why, I don't know. That's beyond my comprehension uh and i think i mean i don't know is there anyone that can logically explain why this is <laughs> why this is political like everything's political now um but he's had people from both sides discussing this pandemic and the vaccine to be specific here's uh what i would like to see on rogan's podcast now i don't think this will happen um Rogan's made clear he's had doctors and experts with differing views, opposite views on this um, pandemic on his podcast the last two years. Could Rogan ever have two experts with different views on at the same exact time? That's what we need. See, here's the problem. We see, you know, doctors go on Fox News or Newsmax or whatever, whatever right wing media. And then we have doctors who go to left wing media. By the way, Anyone who thinks I'm picking sides, I'm not. I think both are hypocrites. Someone was accusing me of picking a side. I even said uh, on Twitter, uh, they're all hypocrites. All these media outlets, uh, the way, especially with the whole um, cancel culture thing. I, I, I had someone come at me with that on Twitter. But um, here's what I want. I want Rogan to do a podcast with two doctors with... Very different stances on this pandemic, and to let them talk it out. I mean, you can do it in a respectful manner, right? You should be able to. You're grown ass adults. Here's a problem. Like I was saying a moment ago, you have doctors, scientists, and experts who go on Fox News or Newsmax or whatever right wing media, and they give their uh, favor the right wing favorable stance on this pandemic. Then you have Doctors that go to left-wing media like CNN and MSNBC or whatever, and they they give left-wing favorable stances on this pandemic. Here's what I want. Either Rogan for have both on at the same time, like one of each, or all those doctors who keep going to left-wing media go to right-wing media outlets, and the same thing for Doctors and experts who go to right-wing media outlets to left-wing media outlets. But here's the problem. We've seen that, and immediately the hosts for those shows, both sides, start interrupting and cutting them off and don't even give them the opportunity to finish. In fact, I remember Laura Ingram of Fox News. She was she had someone on who was providing a different stance on something. I can't remember if, this is, if it was the pandemic or something else. She goes, all right, we've got a hard break. Yeah, you all of a sudden have a hard commercial break, yet you scheduled a guest on at that exact minute. I don't know how that works. Um, I'm not in TV, but I know how TV works. You don't just bring on a guest right when you have a quote-unquote hard break. A hard For those who don't know what a hard commercial break is, it's usually at the bottom of the hour and the top of the hour. 
um, where you have to absolutely take a commercial break at that exact point in time with our time and seconds. Um, that's what a hard break is. Uh, I mean, it's very common in radio and in TV as well. All of a sudden, she had a hard break at the most random time uh, with a guest on. That's not how you uh, you do TV. So that's been, uh, I thought Rogan's response was fantastic. He, by the way, shared a kind of a funny story about Neil Young. He, he, he used to work as a security guard, which was very interesting. He shared a funny story about that. Rogan, that's not the last thing about Rogan, though. He was on the news again. Somebody created a compilation, and this is very common for people to dig up someone's past and uh, go through things they've said before. Rogan, there's a compilation of Rogan... In the X amount of years he's done the podcast, what, 15 years or whatever, Rogan has dropped the uh, N-word, a very offensive racial slur, of course, several times over the years in his podcast, which is obviously not acceptable. Uh, Rogan came out with a five-minute video apologizing for that. And listen, he, word for word, said, I fucked up. Took Said that multiple times, took ownership of it. He explained why he said that. Uh, he explained some of the other comments he was um, uh, that, that that people were upset about him saying, and he owned up to it. Uh, things that are not okay to say. L- listen, b- there are some people defending Rogan, saying, "Oh, the First Amendment," but people are always very selective who they'll defend and not defend for the same things, the same comments or actions, which is interesting. Again, political stances, right? Prove me wrong. I mean, if I'm wrong, someone tell me why. Um, I mean, the same thing with the Whoopi Goldberg thing. Like, the, the people who are glad she's suspended are the same ones who would defend Rogan or, you know, Sean Hannity for uh, saying the same thing. Which, by the way, Whoopi Goldberg, I'll get into in a moment. She absolutely should be suspended for that. That was a dumb thing to say. But again, people are selective who they want to defend. Here's the issue, though. The people who have defended Rogan for his comments in the past few years or, or past uh, couple of years, Rogan apologized. And because he apologized, the people who've defended him, a lot of people, and I've seen this on uh, TMZ comments and uh, Barstool Sports comments, lots of people are now turning their backs on Joe Rogan. So because he apologized for saying a very offensive racial slur, people are now upset about that. Why is it so bad to apologize in this world? I've never understood that. Why are people upset about that? Um, You know, the people who talk about cancel culture, do people not remember this? Rogan's obviously got like the biggest podcast in the world. He endorsed Bernie Sanders for the 2020 election. And I'm sure, I think part of it is because Bernie came on his podcast. But when people uh, heard that he's endorsing Bernie Sanders, oh my God, so many people, the same people who complain about silencing and cancel culture, which is more right wing, a lot of people wanted Joe Rogan's podcast shut down. Yeah. You know, there's been a discussion about this. Shaquille O'Neal spoke up recently against the vaccine. He's allowed to have his stance. Aaron Rodgers spoke up against the vaccine. LeBron James spoke up against the vaccine. Let me just say this. LeBron James, as we all know, there was that very famous segment by Ingram, who I mentioned a moment ago, called Shut Up and Dribble. You know, the same people who are complaining about being silenced are the same ones who defended Laura Ingram for a segment that was literally called Shut Up and Dribble. I've said this before, and I'll keep saying this until people can actually understand the hypocrisy here. However, because LeBron's not a politician, he's not allowed to speak on political issues. But because 
Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James, and Shaquille O'Neal spoke against the vaccine. They were all labeled as courageous. Someone, listen, I'm up for a discussion on this. I really want someone to message me or, or, or tweet me, whatever. Why is it that athletes need to stick to sports or shut up and dribble when they say something that they don't like, but LeBron James, the same athlete who was told shut up and dribble, was labeled as courageous for speaking against the vaccine. Why is it we're choosing when athletes can and can't stick to sports? Someone please tell me that. I really would love the answer to that. Am I wrong here? (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Spotify did remove some of the podcasts involving the uh, racial slurs. People are going to disagree with that. Uh, Okay. I I don't have much to say about that. Uh, I don't think that's the worst thing to ever happen in the world. Um, But neither here nor there. Uh, Let me know your thoughts on that because I really would love to know. Why is it that we're so selective when we can accept apologies, not accept apologies, uh, or think apologizing is wrong or we pick and choose when athletes can or can't stick to sports. Um, it's very interesting how uh, that all pans out at the, at the end of the day. Whoopi Goldberg, listen, what she said was stupid. A couple quick hits I want to hit here. Um, what she said was dumb about how the Holocaust was not about race. Uh, no, no. Stupid thing to say. Uh, she even went on a late night show and said the same thing. Uh, it, it took public outrage for her to understand it. Look, I hope she understands that now. Because I don't know why so much of this pandemic has been compared to the Holocaust or uh, racial segregation, which I think is asinine. I, I don't know why. So I hope a lot of people understand that this is a, a really ludicrous thing to say uh, from Whippy Goldberg or anyone who's even compared pandemics to any of those things. Um, not, not good. Not good. Listen, do I think she should be fired? I don't know. Probably not. There have been far worse things said by TV hosts that are not even close to this. Um, This is bad. Don't get me wrong. It's really bad. It's dumb, too. But I don't think it's a final offense. Uh, Suspension? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, But no, should not be fired. There are worse things that have been said on TV. Tom Brady retired. Hey, look, I don't have much to say about this. I know a lot of people talk about the uh, spy gate and deflate gate. At the end of the day, Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls. Uh, Six with the Patriots and in his first year with the Buccaneers. Okay, and by the way, don't blame the officials, please, on that Buccaneers one. The Chiefs were just heavily underprepared. Okay, their offensive line was not ready. The receivers were dropping passes, and Andy, <clears throat> excuse me, Andy Reid was just not in the right mindset in that game. He he wasn't. Um, I mean, a lot of people were saying that after the fact, but we all know. Uh, I mean, there were so many factors in that one. Tom Brady won that game fair and square. Okay, was there some questionable officiating? Yeah, there were. But is that why the Bucks won? No, the Bucks won because the Chiefs just looked flat out terrible and underprepared. Mahomes was the only one who even showed up in that game. Uh, last thing I want to discuss here. Um, I can't remember the, his name. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Boston Scott of the Eagles. He is now considered a two-sport athlete because he plays uh, in the NFL and he plays Rocket League. For those who don't know, Rocket League is a video game 
It's basically like soccer's, but with remote control cards. It's actually pretty fun. I played it before. It's, they've got an iPhone uh, version of this as well, and uh, a mobile version, I should say. Folks, um, <sighs> playing Rocket League is not an athletic event. I have no listen. I get it. We have something called esports. That's not an athletic competition. It is not. Please do not give kids ammunition to believe that video. Listen, if you like video games, cool. I I, I still play Final Fantasy video games. Um, the only video game I really play is just Final Fantasy. Uh, but uh, Rocket, am I am I an athlete because I play Final Fantasy video video games? If I play Madden right now, am I an athlete? If you play NBA 2K, are you an athlete? But hell no. <laughs> like, why are why are Rocket League players considered athletes? And listen, I know Rocket League is very serious. I know they've got, like, all these competitions online. It's funny. I was watching a live video on YouTube once, and it was actually a Rocket League tournament, and there was a team from Kansas City that won. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I guess Kansas City has the best Rocket League tournament. Um, but, but it's like, you know, you're not some special athlete. You're not an athlete. No. You're just a great video game player, okay? Uh, no, no, you're not an athlete. Two-sport athlete, Boston Scott. I don't make the rules, folks. I, I don't make the rules. Hey, uh, we discussed a lot of things on this podcast. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to this episode. My name is Farzine Vesugian, Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. By the way, I, I get people telling me, how do you spell that? Well, I, I, it, my name should be on the on, on the uh, podcast description somewhere, but I just learned recently how to link, uh, put a link to my Facebook and my Twitter in the uh, descriptions on the podcast. So... There it is. Just look up the description on the podcast. You'll see a link to both my Facebook and my Twitter pages. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we have a very, very special guest. I, I'm smiling just thinking about this. I've been trying to get this person on for a very long time. And now the now it's happening. Uh, we're recording the podcast soon. So I'll be able to announce real soon the name. I try not to announce the names until they are officially like confirmed and done. Um, and uh, we will uh, have the podcast published Thursday evening. I am very excited for this. The hint I gave earlier is that this guy is a proud Kansas Cityan and a proud Kansas City Chiefs fan. And he is he has been on TV for the past 17 years. A very, very popular TV personality. So... If you guys are familiar with some uh, some uh, television out there, then you are probably going to be excited for this one. All right? We'll see that uh, in the near future. It'll be, it'll be coming up soon. So stay tuned. I'll announce the uh, name of the uh, guest on my social media soon. Hey, thank you again for downloading and listening to the podcast. Big thanks to all of you who have been killing it on the Facebook page. Please keep that up. Please keep inviting your friends. Until then, I will talk to you guys Thursday evening. Special guest. Don't miss it. Take care. Take care.